Good morning. I'll be reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, starting with chapter 5, verse 22, and reading through chapter 6, verse 1, from the English Standard Version. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to this time and we sit under these words. Uh, and Father, I recognize that as we uh, have come here today, as we've sung these songs, as we've uh, been called to worship as we have confessed our sins. Uh, and as these words have been read, I recognize that um, we sit under them coming from all kinds of different places. Father, some of us come here and we are full of thanksgiving because we are in a season of abundance in our lives. Fathers, others of us come here and we are in a season of great difficulty, uh, of anxiety, of worry, of pain, uh, of being in need. And Lord, I recognize further that some of us are here having had good fathers um, and having been blessed and changed, and others of us are here for whom this is a day of grief and sadness and pain and difficulty. And lastly, Father, I recognize that some of us are here believing and trusting in you, and others of us are here uh, with what feels like no faith at all, a uh, faith that if it, if it exists uh, is hanging on by a thread. Father, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in today, whether we are in a season of abundance or profound need, whether we are here are rejoicing or grieving, whether we are here believing in you or dealing with incredible doubt, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we do all ultimately come the same with an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, to be changed by you. Would you show us how you are at work in the person of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Ironworks. My name is Darren, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And we're going to take a break from our sermon series on the life of David 
to do uh, kind of a sermon to, to the fathers here, but really to all of you, right? And that kids included, um, uh, widows included, wherever you are, uh, this is a topic that is, is very dear to my heart, particularly now and in this season. And uh, my heart for you, I, I want to just lay my cards on the table for you. My heart for you is to encourage you uh, and to call you to find God in this passage and to find him in your lives, and particularly those of, those of you who find yourselves in, in a family, to, to find his purpose for you in that place, right? I want to start off by saying that uh, I do really appreciate that for some of you, this is a difficult holiday, right? There is, as David was bringing out, he stole a little bit of my thunder, that's okay, um, as he brought out that uh, some of us deal with what are called daddy issues, right? Anyone want to confess that? No, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, right? But I can remember, you know, I had, I had in many ways a relatively good relationship with my dad, but I can still remember that when I went off to college and when I was kind of alone and out of the house for the first time, I have a very vivid memory of waking up in my college dorm room and just waking up angry, right? I woke up angry at some things and that I had to work through. And, you know, by God's grace, we uh, our relationship was restored really, really nicely um, prior to my dad's passing. Um, but I do recognize that there is, there is a reality uh, that when your relationship with your dad is not as it should, <laughs> as, as the passage will indicate, I'll, I'll bring that up just, just after this passage will indicate, that you, you deal with anger that's, that's unresolved, right? That's one thing. My heart for you today is to bring out God's call upon the life of a dad. Um, and the reason that I'm doing that is for your joy. I want to recognize, by the way, that this passage that uh, Mark read um, is not the most po popular passage in the Bible, believe it or not, right? And so why am I preaching it? Well, I only have a few weeks left under my uh, call here as, as your pastor, so I, uh, Chrissy says it's time to say all the things you really think. So <laughs> you are welcome. We're going to have fun today. Um, and if you don't like it, you can fire me. It's okay. <laughs> right? Um, but no, this, my heart for you, for, for men and women, for kids, um, for, for widows, for widowers, right? My heart for you is for your joy. And I will tell you that when there is dysfunction in this particular sphere of your lives, like you can't escape it. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. It will wake you up on your dorm room bed at college and it will mess with you. Right, this when this relationship's gone, gone awry, it, you know God will not let you forget. It will live on uh, in your head. So I'm hoping to ask the question: What does God have for you in this passage? Right. Um, one of one of the objections to this passage, and maybe some of you have it this morning, perhaps you do, but one of the objections that I've heard really related to this passage, someone said to me once. They said, Darren. I think if a family conducted themselves like this passage speaks of, that it would lead to abuse, right? That it, that it would lead to an abusive situation. And friends, I will tell you that it's actually quite a bit of abuse that exists in the Christian community as people attempt to live out this passage. So it's not an unfair objection, right? So what my heart for you, though, is to try to walk through this passage and to ask the question, what does God have for you, uh, particularly... Uh, uh, particularly, I want to speak particularly to the fathers here today who are seeking to 
really embrace what God has. And I also want to talk about some of what some of the misunderstandings of this passage seek to clear the air, to correct the record, and then to go from there. This is where I want to start, right? Why is it that verse 22 is in the Bible? There's a very simple reason, right? Why is it that verse 22, that some of you detest with every bone in your body, right? Why is it that this verse is in the Bible? I used to think, sadly, by the way, I've been married for 20 years, right? Some of you don't believe that, but I've been married for 20 years to one woman, right? Kristen Ann Pesnell, where is she? Back there, smiling. And uh, I've been a dad now for 18 years, Okay, so a little bit of experience. And then, but more importantly, actually, I think, is I have served um, as lead pastor of this church, first as a church plant and then as a particular church, for 11 years. And it's interesting, the, my, my time um, in this office as pastor has really blown the doors off this passage in the ways that I want to try to communicate to you today. And I'll tell you, before, uh, when I first got married and I read verse 22, I used to think, this means I get to win every argument. That's what I thought, right? I just is like, like, you know, sweetheart, like, I'm hearing what you're saying, but this is the way it is, right? I used to think that. And it's because I was foolish, or more accurately, more foolish than I am today. Become a little bit less foolish over the years. There's one reason that verse 22 is in the Bible. There's one reason that God makes a point to tell you right, that there is uh, structure in the family, and after serving in this position for 11 years, it has become completely and utterly obvious to me, and that is this. If you are going to be on a mission in any sphere or any capacity, you need to have structure of leadership, right? You know, so I announced my transition last week to the church that I'll be, um, you know, transitioning out of my role, and I want to tell you that this, this process has been months in the planning. You don't want to know why? Because your session is really concerned about structure of leadership. Who is going to lead? How are they going to lead? When are they going to come in? What are they going to do, right? Why? Because if you have a group of people on mission and you don't have any leadership, you don't have clear structure, right? What's going to ensue? Chaos and failure. And friends, this is probably the most important point of this passage that I have hardly ever heard discussed, right? You want to understand why verse 22 is in the Bible? You want to understand why God cares enough to make sure there's structure, right? Americans especially, myself included, we have a really easy time missing this because of the air that we breathe. The reason verse 22 is in the Bible is because God has given your family a mission, and therefore, he has ordained leadership to carry out that mission, right? And I want to just tell you if, you, if you, if you don't have any sense of mission in your life, in your family, right, what will happen in our culture that I have seen over and over again is you will default to your reason for existing, your family's purpose is to be happy and healthy, and that's it. Right? Make sure you bought, make sure you got a house, make sure the kids, you know, get houses, have 2.2 children, right? And make sure that you are happy. And friends, if that is your purpose in life, I just want to invite you to go on TikTok right now or something, right? Because I have nothing to say to you, right? If you're unwilling to reconsider that as your purpose, then this whole idea, this whole reality is going to not land at all 
in your experience. Because the reason verse 22 is in the Bible is because God cares very deeply about structure and leadership. Why? So that you can carry out your mission, okay? That is the, that is the basic reason, right? And therefore, by the way, I take very seriously the concern about abuse, and I take that seriously because I have seen it happen. I have seen men wield verse 22 in ways that are quite frankly blasphemous to the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And I, and I used to, like, one of the jokes that we had at Bible school, we had, like, the worst jokes at Bible school, right? Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of bad things at Bible school, but anyway. One of the things that, you know, would get talked about, and I knew that, that these guys were serious, is they would use verse 22 to fulfill their own preferences in things that didn't matter. What are we going to watch tonight? Are we going to watch Top Gun 1 or Top Gun 2? Right? <laughs> that is an important question for your lives, by the way. Right? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go to dinner? What, what, what kind of things are we going to enjoy? I have seen men use this verse to fulfill their own desires in things that don't matter for the family. And friends, I will tell you that as we will see in this passage, that to do such a thing borders on blasphemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so ladies, like, if, if you're one of these folks here and, and you do, you're like, good grief, I thought Sam was out, we're not going to talk about this, you know, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> right? If you're, if you're one of these people that are like, I loathe this teaching, I just want to invite, I just want to plead with you to have a little bit of openness to perhaps there's something in here for you, right? So I want to get into it together. So God calls the, the husband and father to be ultimately responsible right, for the mission of the family. That's the first thing. The second thing that he does, however, and, and this is true, I think, of all good leaders, is he calls him to lead by way of deference, right? He calls him to lead by way of deference. It's interesting, just before the passage, I sh you know, maybe I should have included more in the passage, there's a verse that says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, right? Glorious verse, that really supports this idea here, right? If you want to lead people, right, and I'll tell you, my style of leadership, this has been, I think, the case. You can check with the staff and, and see what they think. But my style of leadership has been to always defer as much as absolutely possible, right? Unless, unless it is something that is core to our mission, I, I seek to defer as much as possible. And that is a style of leadership that I would commend to you, right? So, for example, you know, on our staff, uh, we have a, a new person on the staff, and you know, <laughs> my example was we hired my son Owen at age 14. You know, before then he was uh, under the table contractor. A <laughs> little, little bit, a little bit gray area there. But at 14, we hired him because of nepotism and because there was no one else <laughs> to clean uh, the office. Okay, so he would come and clean, and it was great. You know, one of the one of the perks of being church planner is you get to have some of your kids on staff because of nepotism. And it's great. So he would come and clean. And you know what? He's the most junior person on our staff. He was junior in every respect. But there were times where I would offer to him and say, you know, we're going to have a staff lunch. Where do you think we should go? Right? And, and, and leaders, I watched Laura do this, right? Laura with, with her staff, the same thing. Deference as much as possible. I was thinking about, some of you may be unaware, that on our session that we take votes for issues. And I only vote ever if there is a tie. I, I do not vote apart from there being a tie. 
right? That's, that's the job of moderator, is to basically moderate the discussion and then to only vote in the event that there's a tie. I voted one time in 11 years, okay? Right? And part of that is because the style of leadership that's in the Bible is a style of deference. We defer to others. And so I just want to tell you, if you have ever seen verse 22 wielded in such a way for someone to, to fulfill their own preferences, that is, that is a blasphemous, border, at least borders on blasphemy, to the Lord Jesus Christ, whose very life was characterized as sacrifice. That's the first thing. So the husband is called to be in the position of particular leadership for the family. And his main, he has two main tools in this passage. Uh, first is sacrifice. And I'm using this word deference kind of synonymously to that. But to sacrifice, to defer, to prefer others. Right? That's the first tool. The second tool is the scriptures. Right? So... That's, that's what this vision is, right? God gives us a vision for our families to, to be on mission for him. He, he lays the ultimate responsibility at the feet of you husbands and dads, right? Like if you're a husband and dad this morning, I want to tell you, God is saying to you, whether you are rising to this possibility or not, he's saying, you are going to answer to me for the spiritual vitality of your family, right? That your, your partner right? Your, your spouse and your church and your friends and your, your extended family, they all have a super important role to play, right? And, and part of your leadership is going to be, by the way, plugging into church and plugging into home group and getting people to pray for you and, and, and building relationships with extended family and, and depending deeply on the wisdom of your wife, which, which frequently in my experience is far greater than my own. But ultimately, he will he will demand from you on the last day an answer. How did you lead? How did you cast the deciding vote when that session was tied? Okay? That's, that's why he gives us verse 22, because he likes structure. You know, and I was thinking about it, um, try to put this into perspective. So in our church government, right, you have elected pastors and elders to lead the church uh, and then, in particular, I was thinking of one of the most difficult parts of leadership, by the way, is deciding a church discipline case. So I want to put this in perspective for you. Imagine someone accuses you of something you didn't do, okay? That's pretty hard. That is one of the things that will make your blood boil more than anything, is to be unjustly accused of something. And let's say that case comes before the session, right? And it comes before the session, and the session hears all the evidence and is really wrestling before God. And then I stand up and I say, you know, brothers, I just think we should let Owen decide. <laughs> let's, just, let's, just, let's just pass on the responsibility to someone who has not been tasked with this job. Right? Let's just pass it on. Let's just, this is just something I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be bearing the heat here. Right? If I were to do that, your blood would go from about 100 degrees to about 200 degrees, right? Why? Because you're saying, no, Darren, we have, we have elected you to make the hard call. And you, you, def you neglect that, you pass it on, you sin deeply against us. Right? And that's really the principle that's at work here, that God has tasked fathers in particular with being responsible for the family and one of the main tools that they will use more than any other is the tool of deference, right? I, I, want to, I want to defer to your desires. I want to serve. You want to do something? I want to do something else. I want to serve you. I want to lay down my preferences for you. 
I want to communicate over and over and over and over again that I live for you. But when there are these moments where the very mission of the family is at stake, right, you, ca- you cannot neglect that calling. To do so is to sin gravely. Okay, so that, that's really the heart behind this. So God has given fathers in particular this responsibility, and that's why structure, authority structure, is always to support responsibility. So that's the first thing, right? And that is the way that, we, uh, that husbands are primarily called to lead. They are called to reflect Jesus Christ, particularly in, verse 25, his sacrifice, his deference, okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is that husbands are called to lead using the scriptures, right? First, I want you to look at verse 26. There's two tools mentioned here. First is sacrifice, lead by sacrifice. The second one is lead by the washing of the word. And this is another area in which Bible school was like a horrible teacher for me in so many ways, right? It says, husbands lead with two tools. Number one, sacrifice. Number two, the scriptures. Now, again, <laughs> when we were, you know, getting started, we had some friends, and, um, and, and I think I probably did this in some cases. No, I know I did this in some cases. I want to downplay, downplay my sentence for you this morning. All right. But if you talk to Chrissy afterwards, <laughs> she'll, she'll correct the record. No, I did this in some cases as well, and maybe you have, or maybe you've seen it done. I have seen dudes basically use the Bible as a weapon, okay? Right? Oh, we're not, you know, what, sh- what should we watch today? Should we watch this? And that? the Bible says, and the purpose of that is I'm going to use the scriptures as a way to, to impose my will on what's going to happen, right? It's using the Bible as a weapon. And um, some cultures, not really in Ironworks a whole lot, but I've seen in other cultures, this is fairly popular, right? And it's oftentimes a form of legalism, right? It's oftentimes a form of legalism. You find one thing um, that you can grapple on with and, and use that to make decisions that ultimately there's freedom in, okay? What I find interesting about this passage is that there's a particular verb used when it comes to scriptures. What is that verb? What is the verb that's used when it comes to the Bible? wash, right? Wash. The Bible is not a weapon in this passage, right? It is an implement of cleansing. It is not an implement of war, right? It will be in chapter six, by the way. So that's, if you're intuiting that, you know, it's a weapon of war when it comes to the devil, not when it comes to your wife, all right? Don't confuse your wife for the devil, okay? Don't ever do that. (laughs) Devil looks, I can show you what he looks like. Doesn't look like your wife. Um, it is a weapon of war when it comes to the devil, but when it comes to your wife, it is a washcloth, okay? So how, what, what is the vision for this? What is the idea behind this? And guys, I just want to tell you, like, if you are sitting here feeling a pile of guilt and your wife is, like, elbowing you, like, honey, when's the last time you did this? What, what's going on here? Guys, first of all, there's a lot of guys who are feeling this, so it's okay, Right? But secondly, I just want to give you a little bit of encouragement. What does this mean? Answer, you can read one verse to your wife and say, honey, do you realize that you're loved today? Do you realize that Christ adores you today? 
Do you realize, Psalm 103, that your sins are separated from you as far as the east is from the west? You can just read one verse. But the vision of this passage is, is the husband keeping track on the shame in the house, particularly on the mom, right? Mom guilt is a thing, ladies, I understand. Is it? Not for you? No. Sometimes, no. For some, some ladies here, mom guilt is a thing. I, I have heard stories of this, Right? Husbands, you have this responsibility to attend to your families in this way by using the scriptures as a washcloth, right? And if you are sitting here today feeling condemnation, feeling guilt, feeling shame, I just want to encourage you to start, to start tonight to say, sweetheart, are you aware that you're loved? Let me read to you Psalm 103. Can we just read Psalm 103? And can I, can I just make sure that you know that any failures that you have have been separated as far as the east is from the west? That is the vision of this passage. The vision of this passage is the husband leading with two tools, sacrifice, deference, and the scriptures, right? And the scriptures particularly to use as an implement. Now, I want to say that there are times that that you will need to look to the scriptures to to get guidance on on choices to make. If you're considering, um, considering doing something that would violate the scriptures, by all means, right? In my, you know, the husband is charged in particular uh, with, with heeding the scriptures. But what I find is ordinarily that in the spheres where that is happening a lot, I mean, either, either there is something really <laughs> awry there or um, you're not using the scriptures primarily as God is calling to you in this passage. So um, those are the two tools that we have. We have uh, sacrifice and the word. And we didn't print verse... Uh, verse 4 in chapter 6, but it's interesting because uh, he goes on to say to the fathers, he says, raise your children with discipline, right? David was talking about that, but not in such a way so as to provoke their anger. And that really resonated with me this morning because I thought about the anger that I had sitting, you know, laying in my college room dorm, and I thought about some of you for whom that this is a present reality, Right? That, and it's, it's the case for, for dads, right, is that if you mess this up, right, you're going to provoke seasons of anger, okay? That is what's going to happen. You're going to provoke seasons of anger. And it's one of the ways that we know that this passage cannot be used at all to justify abuse, right? Like if, you, if your kids are, are staying in a place of anger, that might be a clue that you're, you're not leading in the right way. Right? So, some, sometimes kids are, are angry and it's on them, sure. But if your kids are angry for seasons on end, right, that might be a clue that, hey, maybe I've done this wrong. Maybe I've, maybe I've not washed with the word adequately. Right? Maybe, I've not, maybe I've served myself. You know, uh, Kristen, when she was in a ministry that looked at kids that go astray, and uh, they did a study of sorts, and they said, you know, the, main, the number one reason we can discern from our research Right, is, is actually parents that are hypocritical. Right? Parents that serve themselves and then never like, own that and never repent from that. Right? And that's why the vision of this passage is that you can, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how much you, you've blown it, you can experience the blessing of this passage today by being chief repenter, by washing with the scriptures, and then by leading with sacrifice. You do those things and you can, you can experience, I think, the fullness of this passage. And 
um, we asked this question at the beginning. We said, what is the mission that God has for your family? And I think there's a specific answer to that, right? And a more general answer. Specifically, for example, Kristen and I were, were called to plant this church and to love and serve you and to pour out our lives so that uh, you could have a community here. That was a mission for a particular calling. Right? That's a specific thing that we discerned through counsel, right? More generally, though, there's a mission for, for all of you who are married, right? And we see it here in this passage, uh, but point your attention to verse 32. He's quoting Genesis chapter 2, which says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he says this. He says, this mystery, speaking of uh, Genesis 2, 24, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects his husband. So more broadly, what is the mission of your family? Right? We, so we have specific callings and we have a more broad calling. What is the broad mission of your family? Answer, it's to experience the divine mystery of Jesus Christ with his church. The, mis- the, the mission of your family is to live your life, is to deal with your sins, is to relate to the scriptures, is to go about sacrificing why what is, the, what is the goal and what is God calling to you? Answer, to experience the divine mystery of Jesus Christ doing that for you, right? And this is how we know what, what Christian leadership looks like because we look at the person of Jesus Christ. And you, you look at the life of Jesus Christ, you look at what, it, what Paul says about him in Philippians, you look at how he is portrayed in the gospels and you know what word rises to the surface more than any other? Sacrifice. Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus Christ, living in a state of exaltation, living in perfect harmony with God, living with no needs, no wants, completely satisfied, completely happy, having everything he wanted, he said he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hold on to his preferences. What did he do? He deferred. The Lord Jesus Christ deferred to win you. He has led us with sacrifice and the word. The Lord Jesus Christ has, has responded to Darren's sins. And, and by the way, I have, I have a lot of sins. I have sins in my family. I have failures. I, a part of why I'm teaching this to you is because I have come to the point where I've said, you know, my failures have gotten high enough that I think I should address this. <clears throat> right? But I'll tell you that I, I look upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I look upon his gaze of grace where Paul says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance and I understand that that is how his power will be exercised in you to bring about healing in this area of your life and there is healing available to you this morning as we come to this table we come to the table of deference we come to the table where Jesus deferred even of his right to life so that he could lead us to God We come to the place where we are reminded how thoroughly we are washed and made clean, where every sin is separated as far as the east is from the west. Everything that we've done that has resulted in more anger with our kids is separated as far as the east is from the west. And today is the day that you can experience blessing as you come to Christ completely broken, completely empty, and you ask him to lead you in this way. Can we do that today? Can we go together to this throne? 
Can we seek him for the mission that he has for our families together? Right? And if, you, if you're here, you're not part of a family, can you, can you be supportive to others? Can you seek that perhaps for a future family? Can you say, God, give me a sense of your mission. Teach me to sacrifice. Let the word dwell richly in me that I may share it with others. I believe if you do that, you will experience divine blessing. Let me pray for you. Father God, I pray uh, for myself. I pray for our families here. I pray for each one that you would do a work of grace in our lives. I pray that you would lead us to Christ and transform us by your spirit that we would lead by deference and by sacrifice and by the word and that you would bless our children. Lord, I pray for the kids of this church in particular. I pray that they would experience your power today, that you would protect them from evil. Lord, that they would be close to you. Thank you for your grace in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, let's stand as we approach this table.